Welcome to episode 88 of the Doss and D Show with the inspiring Anna Liptak. Anna is the founder and owner of His and Her Time Health and Fitness and has been changing the lives of everyday people in the area of health and fitness for over 15 years. Through her business, Anna's purpose and passion has been to help everyday ordinary people achieve extraordinary things in their health, leading them to a happier and more fulfilling life. Over the years, Anna has trained hundreds of people to achieve goals that they never dreamed possible, many of whom have gone from not being able to run at all to running a marathon in 12 months or less. Anna has run over 25 marathons and 50 half marathons herself, which is just incredible, and now takes clients around the world to participate in some of the biggest marathon events through another business Anna runs and owns called Adventure Time Travel. Anna is also a filmmaker, recently producing the international film I'm Not a Runner, which follows the stories of five women she trained from their couches to running the biggest marathon in the world, the TCS New York City Marathon. Dee and I both watched the film prior to our conversation with Anna and we were both so captivated by the journey each of these five women are on in their lives. Anna shared with us so many incredible learnings we can all take away, including how to get started running even when you don't think you're naturally a good runner, why morning routines have changed her life and why we all must embrace the morning, the motivation that training with a community brings to your health and fitness. She also shared with us a story of getting body shamed when starting her running journey and how she fought through that and went on to run over 25 marathons, plus so much more. Whether you are a runner, hate the thought of running, or you just simply think you can't do it and it's not for you. This interview is the drop of inspiration you might need to change your idea on exercise and the push we all need to prioritize our overall health and well-being. Without further ado, enjoy this powerful chat with the wonderful Anna Liptak. Welcome to the Dawson D Show. Two great mates striving to improve in all areas of their lives. The podcast is designed to empower everyday humans just like us who want to add more joy, energy and happiness into their daily lives. Sharing our real life experiences and everyday struggles, relating to them in a personal way. Expect uncensored stories, plenty of laughs and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. Now, let's go balls deep. D, you know I'm not the greatest runner. No. And today's guest, well, she's an absolute pro when it comes to running and she's changed many, many lives. And we're very, very lucky to have her on the show. Do you want to introduce our, our lovely guest with us today? I would love to. I want to welcome Anna Liptak to the Dawson D Show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be here. No, we're so excited to be with you today, Anna. And I just, before we really dive into what's going on and what we're going to talk about, can you just give the listeners a bit of a background on you and what you're currently doing? Sure. So I am a a fitness and health coach. So I train people um, locally in South Australia, nationally um, via online programs, um, and they are marathon training programs for beginners and also internationally. So I have a a, a few spokes to myself, I guess. There's analiptac.com, which has his and her time outdoor fitness, which also has like healthy habits challenges. And then I also have adventure time travel. And in that company, we take people to the New York marathon every year and other marathons around the world. So we've completed marathons such as the China marathon, Great Wall of China marathon, Paris, Boston, all, all types of marathons, but particularly we are an approved international tour operator for the New York Marathon, which means that we can take people to the New York Marathon and guarantee them tickets into the biggest marathon in the world. We uh, we watched your documentary, I'm Not a Runner, during the week, and we were amazed. I'd be really interested to know how many people have told you, I'm not a runner, and they've run a marathon because of your training. 
Right. Well, I've trained, like, as I said, probably hundreds, thousands of people over the years um, to run. Most people come to me when they first see me because they know that I, I love running and I, I love your introduction, but I'm not a pro pro runner. I'm just, a, you know, a runner out there having a go most of the time, but I, I love it. And I've done 28 marathons, but most people essentially come to me and say, the first thing they say is I'm not a runner. So it sounds quite negative. The movie sounds quite negative, but it's essentially what everyone says. It's quite weird to hear people say, I'm not a runner when actually they're running. So, you know, they might be running 5Ks, but they're still excusing themselves and saying, I'm not really a runner. I'm like, well, what are you? Like you're running. So you're actually running. So that's where the title of the movie came. I'm not a runner. So that's a really apt name I guess that people who are beginning to run or starting to run say all the time I'm not a runner and people still say it to me all the time I'm not a runner and I'm like yes you are running you're running so it's that yeah that's where it all came from one of our favorite quotes from the documentary was I think there was a lady and she was trying to do a push-up and she said I'm not strong and you turned around and said yes you are and that was like shifted her mindset I think that works really well with the I'm not a runner mentality we wrote down a few of our favorite quotes I was one of them I want to ask, how did you actually go into making a documentary? Whose idea was that? And, and tell us a little bit about behind the scenes of that. Well, well, I didn't know too much about movie makers. So essentially, we're not, we are not filmmakers is the <laughs> next title of, of really what we did. I took some clients of mine to watch a movie at the cinemas and it was to inspire them and motivate them. Because when I started training people, which is over 15 years ago, I realized that people needed goals and big goals to motivate them, to get them out of bed, to give them that real sense of purpose, achievement. And so I took them along to this movie and Whilst I was watching the movie, I thought, this is wonderful, but these are all elite athletes. You know, they're far beyond. At that time, I'd run 20 marathons and, you know, I've run some of the top ones like Boston and stuff, but these were still so far reached stories, you know, of Olympians, people running across Iraq for thousands and thousands of kilometers, which was unbelievable, but so far from the reality of the normal person, you know, and I'm in that normal person. And I thought, what would be great if someone one day was able to make something about normal people? We're always celebrating the elite. And yes, they should be celebrated, but so should everybody else, you know, not just the elite, you know, the ordinary person can get so much from doing incredible things. So I wanted to show, and I've I've been privy to see wondrous things happen to people through training and through what it does to their lives, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, through their relationships. So I came away from that movie and I thought, right, that's what I really want to do. I want to make a movie. I hadn't, I, I didn't even know if it was going to be a movie, but I wanted to show because I train people all the time. And I had just had 80 of my own clients here in Adelaide sign up to come to the New York Marathon with me. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to show, and all of them hadn't really run before, these people from the start. Anyway, a friend of mine um, from Channel 9, James Wakeland, rang me up and he wanted to originally do an interview because I was um, in the Telstra Business Awards in 2017, a finalist in that. And he wanted to do an interview, but I was more keen in telling him about my idea. And he said, oh, come and see me tomorrow. So I went and saw him the next day. And he said, yep, yeah, I mean, let's do it. So essentially we both started together and we really both didn't know because he was in the news. So he was into sort of, you know, small grab sort of stuff. So that's how it started. And we got the movement happening and we had about 20 or 30 of our people say, yes, they would track themselves because we just had them on their iPhones and things. And then of course, James had access to some professional cameras, which, so I started putting in my own money, I guess, and funding the movie, paying contractors and University of South Australia came on board and gave us some students to help us with our movie. So they were camera people. So that was fantastic. And it sort of snowballed like that. And then we had some other money and 
we had a consultant from Perth come across and um, help us with the long form interviews, which really formed the backbone of that um, documentary. So that was really important. And then it was kind of, we just had thousands and thousands of hours and we didn't know what we were going to do or how we we're going to do it. And, you know, Pete, when you would know, you know, you've got to file things all the time. We hadn't filed anything. We hadn't put anything to anyone's names. We still had 15 characters. We were very lucky that Johnny Taranto, he uh, does the front bar. Um, he moved across from Melbourne and he's a friend of James and James showed him what we were doing and he was in and he was our angel and he put it all together and taught me how to, you know, it was essentially I had to learn how to do a lot of the stuff and but he was behind it and um, creating the story. So it was uh, fairly lucky. So not filmmakers, but to have, and once again, like like you said before, Daniel, about the push-ups, you know, I believed in her and how strong she was. I believed in these runners and how, how they could do it. So they did it. And then Johnny, James believed in me and Johnny believed in me. And, and essentially that's how it grew. And I think that's like anything. If you've got belief behind you, really take that you know um, it's really hard to get that belief but really most things in success is about mindset mm -hmm. and we can do anything people often say you can't do it you can't do it you can't do it people have told me I couldn't do it we couldn't get sponsors or anything because no one really wanted to sponsor the ordinary person but you should see the amount of uh, reviews we've got from all around the world that people just absolutely love it so our end goal is Netflix so it's still going around the world oh, cool. so that's it that's that's uh, the story of it yeah. Wow. It's amazing. Again, we loved it. I'd be really keen to know how does the average person, like you're saying, this movie was about that, you know, they were 15 characters or so you were saying, how does that average person change their routine like that with everything that's going on in their life? I know a couple of the ladies that did it right before they started training, they were going through a marriage breakdown or financial or career issues. How does someone get off the couch and start running, doing something that's completely foreign, but not just foreign, totally uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and you're right there. So I guess if, you know, you have to have the motivation or the want to do it, the drive, I guess essentially they found me and I love running um, and, you know, have taken some people from not running to being some of the best amateur marathoners in South Australia now. So, you know, you've got to have the belief from somebody and, you know, like Namara Lee in the movie, she really didn't like exercise um, and it took her two years to come out to exercise. And I guess it's finding something that you like, first of all, and dipping your toes in the water and willing to become uncomfortable. So, you know, we have to be uncomfortable to find happiness sometimes to get out of our comfort zone. Um, but you're right, there's financial situations. When I got into the Boston Marathon, which is um, the one that you have to qualify for, I, I actually, that year was, you know, money was hard for me, but I found ways. I went to the markets, I sold things of my own. And I, I, essentially, if you really want something, you will do it. So I think you seek it out and you seek that support. And you're right, you know, you have to change so much of your life. You have to mentally change, you know, the way you think about yourself because often people think that they can't do it and they've got to overcome that nagging voice in your head. Oh, you can't run. I can't run. You know, that, that voice that's telling them they can't. They really actually have to believe they can. They have to change often, you know, their food intake and their health and maybe their weight, but also their social. You know, they might go out on Friday nights and then they have to change that because they're now running, doing their long runs. So you're right. It's a big change. But so I think the first thing is you've got to have the drive and the motivation. Um, and if that's there, then you need to seek out somebody to assist you, to believe in you. And you need to change the thoughts of people around you too. So often it's, you know, including your partner or your friends and bringing them along for the ride and, and making them part of it. Because if they're part of it, it's a lot easier for you, even if they're not doing it, but then they support you in it.
Yeah, for sure. Like it's actually funny as we're watching the the documentary, we're sitting there chatting to each other and I play footy. So I have to do a fair bit of running, but then I sort of said to Doss, I'm like, I don't know if I'm like, how much have I actually ran in one go? And I reckon probably the most is 12 Ks. And that kind of puts in perspective, like as the movie goes on and they're running 30 Ks, I'm like, wow, then you got to run another 12 on top of that. Like, this is just crazy. So where's, where does your story begin with running? I know you mentioned you love it. You ran 28 marathons, but where was your first one? What was your mindset like? What made you want to run a marathon and how did you really fall in love with it? Well, that's a good question too. Um, So I have been training people since 2004 and we just started um, encouraging each other to enter events. I guess I wanted to, you know, I I saw that having goals was really good, but I also ensured that it wasn't, no one was set up to fail. So we knew that we were okay if we walked and everything else. So I was encouraging these people to enter events. And I guess I'm quite competitive. You know, I've run all my life, but this is after children. So I had two babies essentially when I started. And so we all just started running. And I guess I was training people seven days a week. So I was running quite a bit in these sessions. So in my sessions, I put running in. And then it went on and we did a half marathon. We did a trailblazer, which is a 56K event. And that's kind of, we just sort of walked around it. And in that, one of my training partners, who's now my best friend, who's run many of the marathons with me, who still trains with me, Chantelle Peacock, she said to me, I could run a marathon. I said, yeah, of course she could. She said, because I believed in her, she she did. And so she ran her first marathon, the London Marathon. Um, And she came home and she was so buzzed. And she said, Anna, you've got to run one with me. Let's sign up for Melbourne, the Melbourne Marathon. I thought, oh, yeah, well, why not? And so we started running. And since then, we've been running three, four times a week. She works for herself and I work for myself. So essentially, it's like uh, our start of our day, but it's a personal, we get to start our day together and we train together. And we really just um, had fun in that Melbourne marathon, but we we broke her time by nearly half an hour. So I think she got four hours something and we got 3.38 in our first one. One of my brothers is was an AFL footballer and they, some of them were out running with us at the Melbourne marathon. Essentially, they were all ahead of us. And by the end, we overtook most <laughs> wow. of them apart from one. And we got to the 40K mark and one of the guys turned around and said, oh, you bloody, you bitches. He was, <laughs> he was spewing that we were going past him. I said, come on, come with us, Cavo, but he stopped. But anyway, that's where it all started. And I guess... We just kept um, challenging each other and and before we knew it, I mean, she's probably up to about 36 marathons. I'm at 28. but And then we um, did the Gold Coast because then we realised when we did 338, we could actually qualify for Boston. So we did a few more and we were quite green. So we probably did eight marathons in one year. But essentially we learnt about pacing and, you know, I could run a 338 marathon talking to someone, at, but I couldn't at a 330 pace. And that's only eight wow. minutes difference over over 40k so you essentially slowing yourself down by 10 or 15 seconds I learned so much yeah and I you know I just love it and I just love what it does to other people and um, the sense of achievement you know obviously um, you know with football and things when you're younger you've still got that team as you get older and you've had children you, you lose that team aspect and even though running's a solo thing you get to be together as a group so you know we take 30 40 50 60 80 people 100 people to New York we essentially all bond so it's like that team spirit that you get yeah. and we all cheer for each other it's amazing the power of community. When, when I've trained, I've done a couple of just fun runs and things and people at work and, you know, you train together once or twice a week in the morning and it's always such a good feeling. And I'd like you to talk about, you mentioned walking because I think that gets a really bad rep 
when it comes to running. And I think people who are starting maybe get a bit scared or a bit, I don't know the right word, but they almost feel like if they walk a couple of times during a run, they're failing. I'd be keen to hear what you think of walking because I know that it's not a bad thing when you're starting out, especially. So our biggest thing in life that stops us is the thought of failure. So most people don't even start. So when people think they're failing for walking, you know, nothing gets me more cross because basically you've got to learn to crawl before you walk and you've got to learn to walk before you run and you've got to learn to run before you can sprint, right? So it's part of the process. So walking is actually an essential part. And still for me, you know, I've had um, a few ailments in the last years and just recently I've had to walk, run, walk, run, walk, run. And I've kept my routine of getting up at 4.30. If I kept listening to that voice saying, oh, you, you, that's it, you, you're a failure, I would stop and never get up. And essentially, that's what makes me feel good. So, you know, like I had some people come to New York, they walked it. And essentially, they walked it faster than some of my runners. So, you know, like like walking is, um, you know, it's essential, we should all be doing 10,000 steps a day. So many people are getting two to 3000 steps. So walking is not failing. And it's sort of like, I've got some people who are like, when am I going to get faster? When I'm going to get faster? Why can't I breathe properly? I'm like, well, once you start walking, and then you start doing the jogging, and you do the one minute walk and the two minute run, and then lessen the walk, then you can actually feel that sense of getting fitter. So you have to get fitter as well, you know, particularly, I mean, for for us, you know, and I'm saying in the 40s plus, if we have an exercise, some people have an exercise for 20 years, you have to be patient. Mm, Um, And fitness comes with patience. And, you know, essentially some people have had two, three, four babies. Um, So getting out there and walking, getting the fresh air, the mental mental space away from kids, it's all so important. So, yeah, I I agree. Um, You know, I have so many people say, or even Jodie in the movie, oh, maybe I'm going to walk. I'm not really a runner. It's like, well, you actually are. You did 42 kilometres and you ran most of it. You know, so I don't know why we put ourselves down. And I really, you know, and, and with the thing with time, you know, I have so many people say, I've got to do this time. I'm like, well, why? What does it actually mm. mean? Because, you know, I've had some people run a whole marathon and they get four hours and two minutes, you know, and they've done a whole year of training or six months of training. And they're so disappointed with themselves. And I'm like, what are you what what are you yeah. worried about? You two minutes off that whatever time that, that makes it. You know, essentially, if you're not getting two hours and 20 minutes, you know, if you're not Jessica Turnbow, it really doesn't matter your time, right? It's just about being out there and doing it. And of course, we want to challenge ourselves, but we don't want to scare ourselves of it. So so many people don't enter events because oh my friend Daniel, well, he's going to get three minutes faster and then I'm going to look like a fool. Who cares? Like, well done, Daniel. Well done, me. Let's just celebrate. So the people who I who I train, you know, I get them to celebrate about them. And I guess I'll go back to Chantel Peacock. She ran 12Ks in her first running event with me in an hour and a half. Now, Daniel or anyone, why you could walk that in an hour and a half. She thought she'd won the Olympics and she had, you know, and that's the yeah. type of thing you need to do is celebrate, you know, celebrate what you're doing. Not always looking ahead. If we're always comparing ourselves to someone else, there's always going to be people better than you, always. You can just strive to better yourself and use them to better yourself as well. And the funny thing is, because we love talking about comparison, we're so harsh on ourselves when it comes to even the podcast and, and our world and what we're doing, we're always comparing, but we never compare to you know, where we were, which is, the, which is the hardest part. We're always comparing to where we're striving to be. We're not even comparing ourselves to who's in our lane or who's around us or who's at the same level. We're always comparing at those that you know, the absolute elite or the very top. Can you share, Anna, the story that was on the documentary where you're running and the the tradies Mm. were driving past and what they said to you? 
Yeah. Um, so I guess that was when I had just had my second baby and I was learning, well, I was training to be a trainer, a fitness trainer. And essentially I'd put on weight after my second baby and I was setting out to start running again and, and a ute went past me and they were drinking beer and, you know, having a great old time, but they, they thought it, they should share that I was too fat to be on the road and that I should get out, out of there. And they said, give it up, jig along, like give it up. You know, uh, essentially I could have gone back inside and never come back out again because if I didn't know I I was fit. But then I realised how probably 50, 60% of the population feel. I know so many people don't want to go out on the road running, but who cares like about what they think? That's their problem. That's his problem, not my problem. So, you know, essentially when people do that, they're undermining you because they actually have a, a problem themselves. Um, and that's something that they've got to face, a negative, a negative thoughts that are going through their head that they don't need to share with me. Essentially, I kept on running, which I'm pleased about. And it also perpetuated me to want to help and empower other people. So my first business was called Her Time because I was about women. Yeah, I, I think what well, going back to what you said about the comparison, I think comparison is great and you're looking ahead, but I also think the learning, you know, learning, you can make mistakes. Each race I do or run I do, it's just about learning. What what could have I done better? Did I not sleep right? Did I, could have I um, hydrated myself better? Did I go out too fast? Often that's the biggest problem is people go out yeah. too fast. You know, it's just about learning. It's not failing, it's learning. You know, if we told our kids they were bad all the time because, they, they couldn't w- crawl or they couldn't walk. They would never do it. So, you know, that's essentially how I see it. If, if you tell a kid they're bad, they're going to be bad. Yeah. So if I tell someone they are a slow runner, they're going to stop running. So, you know, you've just got to, and, you know, you guys doing this podcasting and navigating the world in different ways that we ever did is fantastic. And you're just learning and it's not failing, is it? We, we just no. have a go. That's what life's about. And, you know, you want to get to the end of your life and know that you've challenged yourself. And I think when you set yourself up with physical and mental and all sorts of challenges, that's where you get the, the best out of your life. It's funny, you'll be able to back this update. Quite often we'll be driving, I'll be driving and we'll come to a traffic light and someone will be jogging past. And what do I normally say? Actually, Doss is the most encouraging person of all time I've ever met. Just to himself, every person is running, he'll always say, good on you, mate, or Keep going. Keep going. Like you always, Just to myself. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's really nice. You actually. should yell it out, yell it out the I window because people, people love it. When I train people, they say, you know, oh, someone said, because we, we encourage each other. Oh, it's so nice when someone says, keep going, you know. And so just yeah. yell it out because people love it. Yeah. Particularly like I come from a family that's always been a bit overweight on the bigger side. So knowing someone is trying to make a change in their life, a healthy change, I just really applaud it. And I'm like, to myself, I'm like, I know how you feel, mate, because I've been there. So good on you. I just say it to myself, like, good on you, mate. Keep going. Uh, I should, I should wind down the window and yell it out. <laughs> I think it's yeah, do like it next time and let me know when you do what they do because they they will love it. And this this is the beauty. Sorry to interrupt you, Daniel, no. but in New York, you go to New York. So you say we're running a, a marathon here in Australia. People hardly ever notice. You go to New York and you feel like you're in the Olympian. There's three million people that litter the streets and they call and they scream and they stand there for twelve hours. So you know it's like a, a beautiful thing. Like yeah. you see a moment of my mum in the movie. She said, "Well, I didn't know what to do, so I started cheering with them. Like it was it was a position I'm not used to so it's a beautiful thing to have Mm. that encouragement behind you and I think that's what people need to find if they want to set a goal is to get that encouragement behind them whatever goal it is I just want to acknowledge you too Anna because of that moment that you shared with us where you're running because again we we actually when we started the podcast our first podcast was about body insecurity because we're both overweight kids more than chubby like and we 
dropped weight over time and and we went through the fitness journey and all that kind of stuff which is all sort of in the past but i remember when i started running like i hated it like i didn't want to be seen and if somebody yelled something like that to me probably would have destroyed me i know of people like there's people in my mind i won't say who they are but there's people that's coming up that i know have similar stories and it shattered them to the point where they gave up in that moment and like it's really sad because they're trying to make a change they're trying to do something and some idiot driving past it's to not doing it themselves has ruined that for them and so i just want to acknowledge you because now you've set up this whole movement and these incredible things you're doing where that could have been like the fork in the road like that could have been it there so i think it's an awesome story yeah thanks i think yeah i think that is um you know really important to to encourage others because when people are vulnerable and changing like you said being uncomfortable and not really knowing if they can achieve something it's it, you are in a vulnerable moment so you know and that's where I feel very fortunate to have those five people in the movie because they were vulnerable and they didn't know if they'd make a marathon um so they were really putting themselves out there so you know that was a pretty that was pretty special for them to tell that story too can you share with us your morning sounds like you get up very early what event was her name Jody on the doco and she said I'm I'm not a morning person <laughs> you're getting up at 4.30, holy moly. Can you share with us what your what your mornings look like? Well, I'll tell you this morning I got up at 4.30. I met my um, runner, my friend, Chantel, who ran with me, and we ran from 5 till 6, and I had 35 people I was training at 6 o'clock. So essentially I had to be really organised last night for my training program. Very dark at 6 o'clock, had them all organised. So I was, you know, getting them all organised, got them into the groups. So they all, all trained and then I had another group come in at 6.45. So essentially I trained 50 people before 7.30 in the morning. I came home, made the lunches for my kids and then went back out and trained another group of 15 people at 9 o'clock. So by 10 o'clock... I was pretty tired and I did come home and have a sleep. Over these years, I've, I've done that. And, you know, I have, you know, there's been parts where I went for about eight years like that, but seven days a week. And I did run myself into the ground and I learned through that. Essentially, what I've also learned is that sleep is really, really important. Mm. And I wasn't getting much of my sleep and my body really started, I guess, you know, not, not performing how I needed it. What, how I wanted it to perform and I started going backwards. That's been a really good learning for me. So even though I run four times a week like that, I do need to sleep on the other mornings. So I was, you know, I, I have to hold myself back because I'd essentially like to keep running Tuesday, Thursdays and Sundays or Saturdays, but I can't do it. My body won't let me do it. And I have recently learned that I'm narcoleptic, which means I have excessive sleepiness and have had that all my life. You know, I, I knew there was one thing missing because essentially, you know, I'm really healthy. I eat well. I don't drink much. I, um, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years and then I got COVID and I really got quite sick with COVID and it knocked me for a six. I was one of the first people in 2020 so I was admitted to hospital and all sorts of stuff but anyway from there what got heightened was my fatigue so I couldn't get out of bed for one or two years and my my it was really frustrating that I nearly gave up my business and everything because I felt like I was a fraud in terms of health and fitness because I really wasn't feeling health and fit but essentially what was good for me is that I got access to um, specialist doctors and I was sitting with my respiratory doctor and I said to him I think I've got this he said no no you couldn't be narcoleptic you you would be obese because essentially I've been putting on two or three kilos a year since I started. So Melbourne Marathon, I was actually at my smallest and I got bigger each year with each of my marathons, which was quite weird and I couldn't work out. So I kept seeing all these doctors um, and I felt like a hypochondriac. But I knew there was something wrong because essentially I was going backwards, but I was actually fitter than I'd ever been. But I'd go to the doctors and they'd see my heart rate was 39 resting rate and, you know, my blood's beautiful. So they'd say, no, no, you're fine. 
But anyway, I felt like when I was sitting there with this respiratory doctor, I said, please just test me for narcolepsy. You know, just let me go in because I paid my excess. Anyway, called me back in and said, you are extremely narcoleptic. You know, I'm really sorry that I dismissed you. So, yes, so my mornings are weird, but I'm now setting myself up to make sure that I have my rest. So I was able to do that when I was younger, you know, up until my late 30s. But in my 40s, I really, um, the sleep's, you know, an essential ingredient of health. Oh, we, we have to ask, we, we need to talk about your beautiful mum. In the documentary, Doss and I just, I don't want to say she was a star of the show because it, it takes away from everybody else, but we just could not believe it when she appeared on the screen and it, it came up with her age. It said 73 at the time. We're like, wow, surely not. Like, this isn't going to happen. How did you rope her into it? Tell us a little bit and, and just the incredible work that she did in that time period. Yeah, so I train people, you know, out here in South Australia and she's part of that community and it's a beautiful community. And as we've just spoken about before, being part of a community, particularly as you get older, is really important. Essentially, she lives by herself. So she comes out and trains with me. So many of them were signing up. So like I said, there was 80 of them that signed up. And my mum's like, well, I'm not going to miss out on this. I'm going to come too. You know, I'd already spoken to some people and said, you can walk it. You know, you don't have to run the New York Marathon. Some people, I think someone's done it in three days before, like they leave the finishing line open, you know. <laughs> um, so mum mum said, well, if I'm going to go, I may as well do it. And then, you know, she was, I guess when you've got that whole um, positive energy of the whole group wanting to do it and wanting to train, she got caught up in it. And we just decided to start with her and we just started slowly walking, running, walking, running, you know, walking 800 metres, running 200 metres and swapping that around eventually. She did a half marathon. And, you know, she she has been fit probably, you know, at the, not fit, fit, but, you know, she's walked all of her life. Like she's done the Heisen Trail, which is 1,500 kilometres and things like that. So she's not sedentary. Um, but she also, you know, she she wanted to do something um, while she could because she knew she's had breast cancer before. She knew that you have to do things while you can because you never know what's going to around the corner. Mm. So she knew that this is, was probably her her last chance of doing something like this. And and to tell you now, she's 76 and she couldn't do it again now. So, you know, she was right. You've got to grasp things in life when they're put in front of you, these opportunities. You know, I've taken people to the Great Wall of China Marathon and set up like 30 people to come. And it's been the most amazing experience to go with a group. And then you come back and there's another 50 people say, oh, I wish I had come. I was so close to coming. And they, they talked about it for the next 15 years, that that, that that moment that they said no, that they should have taken it. Mm. So, you know, you never know when things come back around. So, you know, yeah, I think that's, um, that's mum's message through the movie is take things while you've got them, while they're in front of you because you don't know how think life's going to change. I've always struggled with breathing when running. What's the go with breathing? Because I've always found that's what I find the hardest is trying to get control of my breath. Is that one of the most important parts in getting comfortable in a marathon? Like I know in a marathon sense, like you're uncomfortable the whole time probably by the sounds of it, but to be able to get into like, I love the word rhythm, like to get into a rhythm is a big part of that you're breathing. Well, yes. Well, the thing with breathing is you don't actually think about breathing when you're walking, right? So when people are running, it is scary to begin with, you know, that breath. So, you know, we, we talk about an RPE, so different levels. So if I'm running my fastest at 90%, that's when I'm like that. But if I go down to 80%, 75%, I can actually talk. So when I run a marathon, I'm around 80%. When I'm training, I'm around 70%. So 70% is very comfortable. So essentially, if people are uh, struggling with their breath, the most important thing is just to slow down, all right, because you're running too fast for yourself for that time. So it's essentially about building your fitness up. 
especially if you're doing longer running. So if you're doing shorter running, yes, you want to go. So some people say to me, oh, but, you know, I don't want to, I want to get faster. Well, then you've got to push yourself to that 90% and you've got to get uncomfortable with that breath. For me, breathing is, you know, the nice deep breaths. When I'm really struggling up here, shallow breathing, I try and do the nice deep breath down to my tummy and out through my nose. And I, essentially, if I'm doing that when I'm running, I can get my breath back after about three or four nice deep breaths, you know, and making myself just calm down, drop my shoulders and not stress. You know, often people are stressing and the shoulders are hunched, you know, opening up your shoulders, running slower, knowing it's okay. Sometimes it's just about stress as well. As you get fitter and then you can run faster, then you can actually breathe easier. So I think breathing is one of those things that you can really see how you're going with your running, you know, like it's um, kind of like, okay, well, today I'm going to push the edges and I'm going to go fast. And now I'm going to sit back and I'm going to just chat with Chantel the whole run. And mm. there I know I'm 70%. I could keep running, you know, essentially, you know, you should be able to keep going if you're you're slow enough and you're breathing, just getting getting used to that breathing and not worrying about it too much. I just hope that this doesn't run out because my uh, I'm really sorry, guys, but my cord's not here and it is going to cut soon. We'll speed this up a bit. A couple of things, Anna, before we before we let you go. I want to ask about Adventure Time Travel. Explain that briefly to the listeners because this is an awesome concept you've got right here and I think it's uh, it's very unique. Yeah, so when I um, started His and Her Time, I realised that people needed goals and big goals. So my background is event management. So I started taking people around the world, as I said, to participate in events all around the world. And then um, we became a company, Adventure Time Travel. So it's broke off from His and Her Time. So Adventure Time Travel started and we became a... Um, international tour operator, an approved international tour operator for the New York Marathon, which is the biggest marathon in the world. So there's essentially only four of us that can guarantee people tickets into the New York Marathon. So if anyone wants to come, come with Adventure Time Travel. We do premium packages. So I'm a runner, um, Mark Soderstrom, who's a um, radio host, he's on Channel 7. He's my ambassador. He comes along to all our events. So we do everything to our, our top sort of standard. So when people have problems in New York, often they come to us and we we get them to the new to wherever they need to be. Oh, guys, Doss again. Sorry to interrupt this interview. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our show sponsor. What's that? Oh, that's right. No, sorry, guys. Anna's laptop actually went dead, so it cut out. She's back. Let's go back to the show. So we're recording again. Um, the listeners won't know this, but we had a little technical issue, but we're back now, aren't we? We are back. And I'm welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's the problems of uh, middle-aged people with their computer IT and it's not yours. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> when, when your son does your laptop charger, that's not an idea. <laughs> yeah. We've that's only got a, a couple of questions to, um, to finish with now. So firstly... Where's your favourite marathon you've run in the world? Definitely, it's definitely New York. I love New York. I love taking groups there. I love seeing people go over the finishing line there. I, I absolutely love the spectators. I think New York um, pays them all to be out there because it's incredible. Like you, you, you've never experienced energy like that. You know, when people give that much energy, you know, I guess it's like a trampoline. If you, if you jump on a trampoline and it doesn't bounce back, you don't get any energy. But it, if it gives you great bounce like the New York Marathon, it's like um, you're in a big dance party for 40 two kilometers so you actually take your mind off the running so that's definitely the best the highlight for me as well was boston marathon which was fantastic as well of course the great world of china i don't know if i'd do it again but it was very difficult and um, i'm so pleased i did it and uh, you've kind of inspired me to maybe put the runners on and run a bit more what, what do you reckon Dave? well the problem is anna dos is i've never met a man who i've heard has has said so many times i'm sure you you'll beat me at this but the amount of times Doss has said yeah i'm running a half marathon here He'll message somebody who have a training program. He'll, be, he'll start the first two or three weeks and, you know, the three days a week. 
<laughs> got the technique, everything's ready to go. And then you just, yeah, new runners and you just don't hear about it again. So, Doss, what do you reckon? Are you gonna, yeah, maybe, maybe Anna needs to be more coach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? People will have that motivation for three to four weeks, and you're right, you know, you get the new runners and everything. And then that sort of the glossiness runs out after about three or four weeks. And then that's mm. when you've got to get into the routine and just make yourself go until eventually it's a habit. So, I you've got to get past yeah. that. Yeah, definitely, and a big part of it is definitely community and having someone to train with. I reckon. Yeah, um, and it's it's like seeing a dolphin. If you see a dolphin by yourself, it's not quite the same as if you see it with someone else. <laughs> um, and uh, you've you have inspired us not only through the documentary, but what you've said today, and you clearly inspire so many. For those you, you mentioned, you're international as well, but locally, how does somebody get in contact with you? Get involved with Anna Liptak. Yeah, so um, analyptak.com, so L-I-P-T-A-K.com. Then um, just go through the programs and there's plenty of different programs for different people um, with what they want. And, um, yeah, I'd love to train you guys one day for a marathon. Yeah. I'll be looking okay. for you and, and you can come to New York. Oh, We've got Jack that, that, that was the part that really excited me. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to do it. You, one day, you know, like it, it is the best. And if you're going to do one, that's the one to do. Well, we'll also put in the show notes all your links and as well as the documentary link because I've really want to encourage people to go watch that because sure. on top of all what we talked about it's just so entertaining yeah. isn't it? it's really well put together it's an amazing documentary it's not a it's not a mickey mouse documentary and we can't wait to see it on netflix yeah can't wait for that yeah me too and it has won quite a few awards internationally now so that's fantastic we're getting that recognition and i think the best thing is it's actually just not about running it's about life it's about mm. you know challenges and how you, you you face things you know and and how you can get rid of those negative voices that tell you you can't and that's whether it's within you or from other people so i think it's it's not just about running beautiful well thank you so much anna and looking forward to to staying in touch and and hopefully going for a run together sometime yeah, well, thank you so much for your support and watching the movie and um, your interest in, in, in it all. And, yeah, I really wish you all the best with everything you're doing too, guys. It's um, fabulous to see what you're doing. Uh, thank you again. We will speak soon. Okay, thanks so much. Dee, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And, of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And, of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, Dee? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in the next episode.